Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome back to this vintage TF recording. It's the vintage one. We Milo. found this cassette in a yeah. bin around the back of the <laughs> studio. Sam is that podcast. Yeah. Uh, due to the fact that uh, I, I don't know what's happened with uh, Nate's computer, I assume is uh, he's gotten out his old steam powered computer that doesn't work <laughs> with uh, Zencaster, which we usually use. We are having a conversation on Skype today, so shine mm. up your penny farthing, put a coal in the coal drop, and toss a hay penny to the nearest uh, uh, orphan, because we are engaging in some antiquated technology. This is Steampunk TF on Skype. I'm actually calling in from a phone box in the rain. I'm wearing a big <laughs> trench coat and a tr trilby hat. I'm going, we're going to have a problem, see? <laughs> I'm just putting some like lyrics that really speak to me in my MSN Messenger status. And I'm ready to record a yeah. podcast. You're nudging all of us. It's funny you should mention that because I had a job years ago that uh, they used AOL Instant Messenger as like a in-house thing for communication because it was like super surveillable or not encrypted or whatever. And I was able, I don't know how, but I remembered my password to my old AIM account from college and logged into it. And I did actually manage to get in and see my saved buddy list from like 2002 and everyone's just absolutely awful fucking names and it was really like this amazing blast from yes. the past I, I had a guy whose name my buddy sam his username was poo saint james uh <laughs> there was there were there were some serious goth ones my my girlfriend from high school's screen name was Ange de tenebra like everything was fucking <laughs> terrible just absolutely the worst shit and it's like you know what though aim aim had some benefits uh and speaking of penny farthing ass technology, I, I the reason I'm not in the studio today was I was actually doing yet another driving lesson to get my stupid British driver's license. And what the fuck is up with these like sluice gate road things where they're like, oh, we'll never need a car wider than this. And it's like 1970 when they're building it. Like, this yeah. is the stupidest country I've ever fucking lived in in my life. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of like British roads are like this also because cars, I think, have gotten bigger as well. So, because you know, you have those like types of roads where the roads are already like too narrow, but they're also filled with like massive fucking cars that take up two lanes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's great and, when there should be more of that. Actually, I, and, I passed my theory test uh, all of two days ago. So this is now the driving podcast. We're going to talk about how cool it is to drive your car <laughs> around. Right. I saw yeah. your score, Alice. You did way better than me on the uh, the hazard perception. So so maybe Thank you. Uh, actually, yeah. I don't think it's uh, the joke I was going to make much. is is my uh, my joke to make. So I just won't make it. But you can probably into it what I was going to say. Yeah, there was going to be some slurs. <laughs> there was going to be some ableism. So, yeah, I got, I got, I got the like male socialization hazard perception score. <laughs> so did I before... do my theory test like an AGP? So <laughs> yeah. before. Before we carry on with our, our pre-show nattering any further, I would love to introduce our guest. Uh, we, uh, all five uh, of the TF uh, uh, membership, uh, we, we've come together in a conclave. Five families. TF, uh, at Vatican II, we're TF2. Mm, yeah. um, and we are to, to be joined uh, by Josh Borman from the Worst of All Possible Worlds podcast. And uh, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, the evangelical right in America, school choice, and how that relates to the bigger... Christian Dominionist Project. Josh, how's it going? 
Hell yes. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be on. I figure now that you are officially a, uh, a car podcast and a motorist podcast, mm. makes sense to have somebody on here who grew up in Michigan. So like, I, it, it's very serendipitous. It feels great. Mm, that's right. Exactly. Uh, well, I mean, I think that the descent into car talk really started with Milo. And all the rest of you degenerates have followed him. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You love you love talking about cars, rather. You just love talking about them in the abstract. Yeah, cars Like thinking seen. about a Ferrari. Milo likes talking about driving, and Riley likes talking about a weird car that he saw. Yeah. It's a very yeah. different approach to these things. Yeah, I get furious about it. You know, the M11 was closed today. Had to go around it's, the M25 through Romford. It was a nightmare. Yeah. Don't, don't make me go through Romford. Okay, all right. Before we get into our, our, our sort of topics of um, I'd say quite, uh, you know, to be perfectly honest, relatively grim uh, subject matter of the, you Romford. might say, uh, yes, Rumford, no, of the, um, you might say, a currently uh, uh, winning battle of the mm. Christian Dominionist movement to seize control of uh, America, uh, its uh, connections as well to like movements that, let's say, have a lot of things in common with it in the UK. Um, I wanted to talk very quickly about some news. I've been passed uh, a, a, a notice from the news desk. Um, it's from our other news desk, uh, the Vatican news desk. Oh, that's <laughs> a pretty slow day there, most days. <laughs> well, the Vatican is creating an NFT gallery to democratize art. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Let's fucking go. <laughs> the Vatican secret ape kives. Yeah, mm. that's right. Uh, no, that's um, interestingly do enough. The, do the apes get baptized in the slurp juice, or? Well, well no, actually, most of the apes they don't get given so a uh, slurp juice so much as they get given a um, cache of weapons. Oh, okay. mm. I, I, I was I was thinking it would be really amazing if they could transubstantiate the vape juice that's sold in Vatican City, so you actually vape the blood of Christ. That could be a mechanism by which Catholicism can attract more non-insane, well, a different kind of insane person to Catholicism as opposed to the people who are attracted to it now, aka like uh, I want to live in a 1950s dishware advertisement. Trads, blood of Christ recalled after 14 confirmed cases of popcorn lung. I just really want to see all of that uh, Pope stuff get sort of collateralized so that I can put my entire 401k savings into fucking Pope coin. Well, well you know that, what this mm. you know what this is? All my all Pope's this, gone. This is like <laughs> all we're doing is we're seeing the Pope transform back into like a secular prince who you can like you can now, you know, c collateralize a bunch of shit that he does or whatever. So that but I'm interested in getting like a modern Pope uh, to march at the head of a conditieri army like you know, out from the Romagna or no whatever pipe. to like war against, again, again, a Florence that is perfectly modern, has a modern mayor and then just has to deal with you know, an armed Pope knocking yeah, at the door. That's <laughs> the, official, the official position of Trash Future, Trad Future, is bring back the papal states. Yeah, that's I also right. find it very funny that the Pope recently made comments in an interview where he basically said that, in his opinion, uh, some of the cause for the war in Ukraine was NATO barking at Russia's door, which I imagine was taken out of context. But it's just one of those things where it's just like, Pope, the Pope could become a streamer. He's going to get kicked out of the <laughs> Labor Party. He's already got an NFT minted. Like, he's lined up to be a bread tuber, like, no one's fucking business. Well, he, yeah. said, he said all of that about NATO, but unfortunately, he was being interviewed by Hadley Freeman. So she mostly just kept asking him about Woody Allen. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like I feel like there's a world in which uh, you could basically see the Vatican become sort of like a Hong Kong like free market area and they just go all Ooh, in on cryptocurrency. Idea. Yeah. Oh, God. 
something that's also really funny is the Vatican's Vatican doesn't have like Vatican City doesn't have its own legal system. It just basically copped the Italian legal system from the 19th century and never changed it. So they'll like all of their laws about like let's say property and interpersonal relations have stayed the same to include mm. an age of consent of 12. So needless to say, it oh, could become shit. a libertarian paradise for many <laughs> other reasons besides the ones you just named. Yeah, well, like when, when the crypto experiment like fails in the Bahamas, which is where uh, I think that's where the, like, the latest version of the experiment is, they can just go like Logan Paul and uh, Mark Andreessen and all of the rest mm. of them, they can just go to the Vatican. Logan yeah. Paul wearing a papal tiara. Yeah. I, I want to read a little bit about this before we get into our main subject matter. Um, the project is a collaboration between Sensorium, a VR company, and a Vatican-led nonprofit called Humanity 2.0. <laughs> yes. They call it Humanity. Yes. They call it Humanity 2. Some kind yeah. of a propaganda duo there. Um, yeah, Sounds like an organization from the Deus Ex games. Yeah. <laughs> Well, because it basically uh, is by this point. I, I, just, I just feel like Humanity 2.0 sounds like the direct-to-video Evangelion ripoff. Like <laughs> <laughs> Humanity 2.0 actually includes some bug fixes from yeah, Humanity 1.0. Humanity 2.0, you will not slap. Yeah, you can't bite the inside of your mouth anymore. We have. Uh, <laughs> we look forward to working with Sensorium to explore ways to democratize art. Sorry, Again, just something that Sensorium? the Vatican has always been interested. That's the VR company that they're working with. Oh, okay, um, cool. That also we, sounds like some Deus Ex shit. We look. Humanity too looks forward to working with Sensorium to explore ways to democratize art, making it more widely available to people around the world, regardless of their socioeconomic and geographical limitations. Again, Unless, of course, they're not really rich. In I which wanna, case, I want to come back to again the thing where like. Uh, of just imagining the Pope as a Renaissance prince, but like because we are now in a much stupider era, instead of commissioning to like to have his greatness remembered by you know commissioning like the Sistine Chapel ceiling or whatever, he's like, what if we what if we took this ape and put the papal tiara? What if we had an Annunciation, an NFT of the Annunciation, but it's all apes? How about this? How about this? Uh, every saint becomes an NFT, and then you can take these NFTs and you can place them into a gaming environment online. You can all interact with this video game, and then if you can't actually afford to purchase the NFTs, you can become a Pope Scholar. And uh, as a Pope Scholar, you will be provided access to one of the saints on a temporary recurring basis, so long as you pay your rent. Also, if you're a Pope mm. Scholar, you will not get, you will get abstinence-based sex education. That's it. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm, yeah. I'm just imagining extremely unchaste behavior when I'm gaming as St. Sebastian in the fucking <laughs> second life of Catholicism. The, la the last thing before we move on. The Vatican's press representative claimed that NFTs won't be used to sell products or objects, and therefore it's unclear why they are using NFTs. No, we're only going to sell you absolvents for your sins. Yeah. I've I've Absolvent I've uploaded absolution. a number of theses to the Solana blockchain. Yeah, uh, I will just say this one last thing before you move on, Riley, is that I remember years ago. I can't remember what game it was where there were like in-game podcasts playing on the radio if you drove a car, and someone Watch pointed Dogs out that they, Legion. Yeah, that they sounded yeah. a lot like us. And this this previous discussion we have just had has been the most of that sort of thing I think we have ever done. But we are actually reporting on the news. Yes, absolutely. So. Uh, I'd like to I'd like to move on. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, what has goings on in uh, in America over here, uh, and sort of why we're we're talking to Josh. Why about this? Why because of now? all of the fascism, isn't it? 
yes, indeed. Um, oh, so I, I hate having to talk about this, but not as much as I hate that there is it. Shall we go back to the Vatican stuff? Can we like, do that like an hour more of like Pope NFTs? Yeah. Uh, no. So to be honest, my relationship with the fascism and the Pope NFTs is basically the same. It's just a greater degree. <laughs> I hate talking about it. I hate that it exists. <laughs> so no. Um, so look, essentially what has happened uh, is what uh, a lot of people uh, said would happen uh, as soon as, you know, um, basically through uh, procedural tricks, bullying and uh, the Democratic Party's own uh, fecklessness and love of losing. Um, the, when the, co- the Supreme Court was stacked with a number of uh, Catholic sociopaths and Christian do- and evangelical Christian dominionist sociopaths, um, people, I think, from... That's bipartisanship right there. <laughs> people from across uh, the... People, anyone who was paying attention would understand that this was going to bring the multi-decade project of uh, the evangelical right once it had lost the battle on segregation, but, 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 but they, they, they said they wouldn't. They said they wouldn't overturn Roe. They said it was settled law at all of their confirmation hearings. That's right. We, we had entire hearings about this. I, for one, was shocked, just shocked. Um, and so essentially, right, we're, but we're not actually, I'd, I'd like to focus rather on, on sort of on thinking about this, because quite frankly, there are uh, a lot of better sources you could go to to hear about the specifics of this than us. What I wanted to talk about was the larger Christian dominionist movement through Josh, your um, your particular uh, uh, sort of point of knowledge of uh, school choice, and to talk about specifically how these things are deeply related to one another and part of a large paranoiac, multi-decade um, conspiracist uh, Christian fascist plot to essentially um, sweep through, sweep all of the uh, people friendly to them into the institutions of uh, the US while maintaining essentially a cuddly liberal veneer through use of terms like school choice, which sounds, hey, you should be more free, but it's actually something or quite different. For that yeah. matter. Yeah, yeah. Or fairness yeah. in uh, women's sports, you name it. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm anti-life. <laughs> Ethics in gaming journalism. Yeah. I love the <laughs> goth party. So, like, you know, and, and also just before we go into that, you know, I want to say this is not limited uh, to the U.S. Uh, as in the U.K. already, uh, the Times has come out uh, basically in support of this ruling. Um, uh, Hadley Freeman has already written an article in Unheard suggesting that it was that dang gender ideology yeah, that me. got it everyone distracted. Sorry, guys. I <laughs> listen. I'm the reason you can't get an abortion now. I'm I'm sorry. I thought I was doing it as a joke. Yeah, but you know, I I guess I took it slightly too far, and I accidentally overturned Roe v. Wade. Yeah. So, but like that, all of the that in the in the UK, right? This is uh, you can see this kind of being whether. A lot of it is being filtered through the uh, prism of transphobia, whether it is someone saying this is because feminism got distracted since 2015 and they haven't been making huge strides in this movement since before 2015, like they weren't going to win, et cetera, et cetera, you know, moronic. Or at the Times is sort of parroting the, uh, again, the cuddly liberal version of this, which is, what are you talking about? We just want to give states the right to choose. It's more democratic. And also, finally, to remind you, uh, that the same woman who wrote an angry open letter to Marks and Spencers denouncing their gender-neutral changing rooms, a thing that is common at basically every clothing store, uh, also co-sponsored or was a, an important supporter of a piece of legislation to reduce the amount of time that a woman would have access to an abortion in the UK. 
So uh, these are not purely American trends. They have a different shape over here. They're associated with different allies. The Anglo brain covers lots of areas. Mm -hmm. but, uh, so I, but let's, let's refocus back to America and first starting with thinking about this larger project and then thinking about uh, its other project that has gone sort of so well for it in terms of school choice. So before we go into that, Josh, could you talk a little bit about what Christian dominionism is? Yeah, for sure. So uh, first of all, I should just note that like what a big part of what we do on our show is talking about some of this kind of stuff, because one of my co-hosts and I, we both come from an evangelical perspective. And I actually grew up in this world as well. You know, I grew up in West Michigan, so I was sort of like immiserated in this world. And I didn't even really realize that it was what it was for quite a while, because when you're when you're in something, you don't really realize that there's anything else out there until you see what something else looks like. So. I, I saw a lot of aspects of the Christian Dominionist project as being just the normal background noise, right? Um, it's like how British people relate to Mr. Blobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems I mean, it's so not, normal. Not like that. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, having myself uh, seen the uh, fucking Mr. Blobby video for the first time, the original one where they were singing and dancing around him, the amount mm. of sheer horror and revulsion I experienced is probably not dissimilar from the reaction you had to uh, reading about Christian dominionism. But um, <laughs> <laughs> the the thing about Christian dominionism and, and the whole reason for the project comes back to uh, a Protestant sense of what is essentially the need to redeem the world on behalf of God. And there's a few different forms that this takes, and it comes down to like denominationally where you land. But the world that I grew up in is the world of so-called reformed Christianity, fall, falling down from like John Calvin and in that tradition. The guy who, of course, famously uh, took over Geneva and burned guys at the stake who disagreed with him. Really cool, casual guy. Um, and that that the actual story of John Calvin in the way that he operated sees its uh, sees a lot of parallels in the way that things work in America under Christian dominionism as well. The idea is that God is in command of the world, but that ultimately the world is a fallen place. We are all fallen people fall by, by our you know original sinful nature or whatever. And so it is our role then in the world to redeem it on his behalf. So it's tied up in the American settler, settler colonialist project. It's tied up in global evangelism. All of these things come together in this place because, again, the Christian dominionist believes that until he or she or they have, you know, gone forward and I want to made these them changes, say them Christian dominionist. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Um, I, I identify as a they them Christian dominionist. Um, <laughs> like it just it, it's it's like you can't take the world just for what it is. You have to take the world and you have to be constantly reshaping it and redeeming it for God. And of course, the God that you believe in is invariably the God that uh, <laughs> solidifies the prior beliefs that you came to everything with. And because a lot of these people came over from the United Kingdom, mostly, and from the oh, Netherlands. Nice. In the case oh, of, no, that's you know, a cursed combination <laughs> right there. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're telling me, dude. A for stand um, on the fallen hog. <laughs> <laughs> um. All the, the, the fundamental project is to subvert any and all political governance and, and, and really the entire liberal project to the whims mm -hmm. of theocrats. That's a Christian dimension. And uh, as I understand it as well, right, like um, I, I also so it's also I think this is worth mentioning, right? I've seen sort of 
and I don't want to devote too much time to this because I don't think this is an opinion with much sort of truck in, in most places, but sort of trying to relate this back to a materialist perspective, um, it's that the function of this is not to distract people from the real issues. The function of this is to provide a, a hierarchized social order where the hierarchies themselves are sort of sacred and enshrined against a belief in sort of general godliness where God is kind of whatever America was like back when we imagined it was good. Yeah, exactly. Because there's this sort of idea, and, and Thomas Frank really popularized it with this, like, what's the matter with Kansas idea, which was like, well, these Republicans are just cravenly using uh, the Bible and stuff like that to distract from economical issues. Whereas in reality, all of this is part of one unified project. You cannot have one without the other. And the objective here is to redefine what society ought to be under an order that is, again, out of religious priors, basically, where things are a matter of private personal choice rather than any sort of yeah. collective good. And the private personal choice then is what we're trying to do by doing things like school choice. This is sort of how we get into this from a theoretical perspective is we're trying right. to create the environment where those private personal choices get sort of made in a in a sort of loose sense but in fact are guided towards a a you as you might say godly end and yep. where godliness is defined as anything that's not secular and anything that is secular is defined as like well gays are secular it's secular when women should have short hair it's secular uh, if some women wear pants it was secular when uh, schools desegregated because God wanted us to be separate, right? It's this valorization in religious belief of whatever America was like in the 50s, or you imagined it was like in the 50s. Exactly. And, and it... I was just going to throw something in there too, because I know we're going to talk about Betsy DeVos and the DeVos family. And I feel like the fact that Betsy DeVos's brother is Eric Prince, the guy who founded Blackwater, yep. who is a Christian dominionist psycho yeah, who basically call on fully me. believes... <laughs> Fully believes that the uh, the role of of the of not just the U.S. military or the United States government, but of all Christians, is to destroy Islam. Um, that they are, the, you know, and Betsy DeVos's whole thing is charter schools and school choice, and basically diverting money out of the federal budget into Christian Dominionist, you know, sort of inspired education. Like that's hand in glove. Like it's not. They're, they're, it's not like Eric isn't like the fallen son of the family. Like they're working right for the same project. And, you know, I, I've told the story on your show, Josh, but, you know, to give an example of this, this mentality, you'd think that when it confronts a logical contradiction that it would, it would have an aha moment and it never does. And the example that I gave you guys on your show was meeting a, uh, a woman that I was friends with when I was doing this training exercise in the army who was a second lieutenant who was Christian Dominionist who very, very adamantly told me that the reason America's economy was bad was because of feminism and women not staying at home and women having jobs and taking jobs that men could have. And I'm like, the thought crossed my mind, like, you're a woman army officer in a role that right. it wasn't until the 70s was even allowed to exist. Like, do you not realize the insane shit you're saying? But that doesn't matter. Yeah, well, and that's the other thing that's kind of interesting about the way that this project has permutated over the decades, right, is that it's not as if the logic of, let's say, what is sacred versus what is secular, what is good versus what is bad, it's not as if those things remain constant, right? It, 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 a lot of it adapts based on, you know, what some people consider to be socially acceptable. And additionally, a lot of it comes down to, well, it's okay for me to do because I am one of the good guys. I am one of God's elect. My enemies are ontologically evil. And therefore, not only am I right in anything that I do, but anything that they do is wrong. 
It's like an extreme. Is it like an extreme like main character syndrome? <laughs> I would say so. It really is. And like you can see this as well in the way that people like Betsy DeVos talk and the things that they actually say, because I mean, we'll, we'll go into some examples of this in a little bit, but like she talks in a way that makes it very, very clear that she doesn't think that she will ever suffer any sort of reprisal for her actions whatsoever. She just goes out there and says whatever the well, fuck. I'm going to stand right over here, right next to my own petard, and I think you'll find. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, but I'm just imagining Betsy DeVos. It's like Betsy DeVos, as long as she acknowledges the Holy Spirit at the Eyes Wide Shut party at her mansion that looks like you built a fucking, like, a the best way I could describe it is it looks like you built the cheapest clapboard house you could, but never stopped building it in Fortnite. Good. Like, <laughs> yeah. Are you talking about her, her fucking house on Lake Makatawa? Yes. That huge, ugly. Yes. Yeah. So, oh like, my God. Like, like there is no logical inconsistency there. So Riley. Yeah. So I think let's get into this, right? Let's talk about uh, Betsy DeVos, her family and how they get from uh, Amway and other businesses into um, this whole new model of education. And let's just throw this in really quickly, just so people, because American listeners will know this probably, but British listeners might not. Betsy DeVos, bear in mind this entire time when we talk about all this stuff as regards the American education system and her insane background, she was Trump's education secretary, and they absolutely rammed that through the Senate. And it was interesting because that got probably more pushback than any of his nominees besides maybe uh, besides, and I'm not joking, his secretary of labor was the former CEO of Hardee's, uh, the, the fast food chain, uh, who then had to uh, withdraw his, his nomination because it was proven that he had like, I think he had been convicted or he had been, been accused of abusing his ex-wife. But DeVos, that was massively controversial. And it was really amazing yeah. because like, you know, it didn't matter how many people call, you know, in, in Oklahoma called like their insane scoutmaster Senator Jim Lankford and was like, please don't do this. We care about our kids' education. He basically said, sorry, fuck you. And she basically was at the highest echelon of powers as regards education in America. Well, and, and her, her appointment got slammed through on a party line vote. Um, in fact, Vice President Pence had to cast the breaking tide to confirm her. Part of the reason that her uh, hearing and her, her appointment were so controversial, and I'm curious if you guys heard about this or not, um, during her hearing, uh, they asked her what her stance was on gun control in schools. And she said that she would not support gun control in schools because in states like Wyoming, you might need to keep a shotgun around to defend kids from bear attacks. And she's right. <laughs> yeah. Did you? Did you <laughs> speaks for the people of Wyoming, all 12 of them. So, so I think let's, uh, bearing all that in mind, let's go through this, this story. Who she is, how did she get here, and how do we yeah. get from Amway multi-level marketing money into school choice, quote unquote. Wait, hang on. I've just yeah, realized so that Betsy DeVos is literally, it's the bit from Mean Girls where it's like, on the seventh day, God invented the Remington bolt action rifle. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, not, that's not an exaggeration. These people exist. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, brief like Cliff's Notes background. Betsy DeVos is from uh, West Michigan, which is also where I grew up. Uh, her mother is a woman named Elsa Prince. Uh, Elsa and also then her dad, whose name escapes me at the moment. But anyway, point is Edgar. That's his name. So her parents are uh, Elsa and Edgar Prince. Uh, they are both major bankrollers of the conservative movement, both locally and nationally. They made their family fortune because Edgar invented that thing where, you know, when you flip down back to car chat, you know, when you flip down that little thing oh, on like your the um, sun visor, the visor. 
yeah. the sun visor, and you know how the little light turns oh, yeah. on when you do that? Yeah, he invented that little switch. Yeah. Well, he should have a shit ton of money for that forever. <laughs> that is the light of the like, Lord yeah, coming at you. Be a sort of like local <laughs> warlord. Yeah, it, well, it, because he invented that, then his his awful children should get to decide uh, what you learn in math. I think it was like a kind of, mm. there's a guy, Absolutely. I went to school with a guy who like had a very similar origin story. His dad was like sort of involved in like the development of a kind of Teflon, which meant that he was just like yeah, really mean, rich, but he was the biggest prick in like, I, I've never met. Yeah. And now like- Nothing stuck to him though. <laughs> does, he, does he run an academy for us now? <laughs> worse, he like run, he ran like, uh, a nightclub in Maidstone, and I know Milo's the only yes, you run a yes, type of guy discovered. <laughs> and like the the club was so bad that it sort of like, and it got a reputation for just being like the place where like all the local gangsters met up, and it got shut down it called, because like, like feel lounge. Oh, I can't remember what it's called, but like it got, but it got, <laughs> but it got shut down because like some guys were trying to like sell bat like the sort of synthetic molly out of it. It was a very fun story, but yeah. I just I'm just laughing because Sweet. like I realize this would never enter into their minds, but there's a part of me that wonders if like if the DeVos family or the Prince family ever sweated deep down because they're like if the true Calvinism came out, they're like, well, we gave people mirrors in their cars and that means vanity. That means women be putting on makeup. So <laughs> we've contributed to mm-hmm. sin in our own right. Mm. Well, and, and, and to that point, too, in terms of like the stuff that the Prince family tends to fund, uh, they've endowed a shitload of stuff at Calvin College, which is the school that Betsy graduated from. Uh, they uh, are major backers to a lot of different conservative movements. So like Elsa Prince gave a large donation, I want to say like a million dollars or so to Proposition 8 in California, which banned gay marriage for a little while. You know, they're they're in it. And it really is like back to the, the Mean Girls thing. This is Gretchen Wieners, right? This is like my dad invented toaster strudel, yeah. but instead he invented the little fucking mirror that flips down. Um, so, you know, th- that's Betsy. She grew up sort of in that like first generation, upper middle class, eventually above upper middle class kind of wealth. And she married into the DeVos family. Now, the DeVos family, that's Rich DeVos. He is one of the uh, wealthiest people or was one of the wealthiest people in the state of Michigan before he fucking died. Um, and he is the co-founder of Amway. And d- how how well known is Amway in the UK? Do they not have at all. Uh, no? We, we okay. have a lot of sort of like multi-level marketing scams, but not this one. All the ones that I've seen tend to be more like executive coaching, so they don't even have a product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, right. I grew up for a period of time in New Mexico before my family moved to Indiana, and all of my neighbors were Mormons, and they all bought Amway. And the best way to describe Amway is it's Wish.com everything, but like thirty years before. Like imagine Wish.com mm-hmm. breakfast cereals. Oh, like nice. counter counterfeit fruity pebbles, counterfeit honey nut Cheerios, like that kind of a thing. But for everything, being an Amway w- Mormon is so funny. You want to double down <laughs> on your cults. I mean, there's a fuckload of Amway Mormons out there, and I, I think the one thing that like people really swear by in terms of their products is the soap. Actually, oh. like their soap products are apparently pretty good. Uh, do I don't you have know. a downline we um, can get into. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm sure I could find you a guy. Um, so anyway, uh, when when Betsy DeVos uh, married Dick DeVos, this was basically Dick like DeVos a can't fucking be a real guy. Yeah, Dick De- this guy Dick Dick DeVos. Yeah. Um, this was like a this was like an old school royal wedding, right? This is like this is like a Habsburg fucking connecting to mm. uh, another royal family kind yeah, of head deal. Head full of water, um, one black testicle. Let's go. Absolutely, and. Um, 
this then resulted in sort of a core family that largely runs conservative mm-hmm. politics in West Michigan uh, with a family net worth somewhere north of five yeah. billion dollars. We don't know how much money they actually have because Amway is a privately held company. Mm-hmm. Um, so all you can really do is speculate, but they have a fuck it's ton hard to of count cash. that much and money. I mean, it would take so much time. Exactly. Exactly. Um, if only it were invested in like Popecoin or something like that, we <laughs> might be able to know, but it's not, it's, it's not on the blockchain. So we have no idea. It's completely fungible. So we have these, these rich West, uh, Michiganders. Um, and what are, where does their interest in education come from? Sure. So for Betsy DeVos specifically, um, and, a lot of the people like her. Some, a lot of it has to do with investments that they actually have in education. Mm. Now, part of this is an ideological project. Um, so, like, they make a lot of contributions to Christian schools and things of that nature, right? Because they want everybody to grow up loving the mm. Lord. And a big part of this Dominionist project is that, you know, the fucking uh, public schools are indoctrinating kids in uh, the ways of the world rather than the ways of the Lord, which, mm. you know, we can't do. Mm. That's not allowed. And so um, they, they are doing what they can to shape the minds of this next generation through private education. And a good way to bolster private education is to get the government involved so that private schools uh, and semi-private schools can be the beneficiaries of government. This is the, we have basically exactly the same thing in the UK, but instead of generally being um, Christian schools, they tend to be schools run by spiked columnists. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's a simple. It's a similar model where it's a private school you don't pay to go to. Instead, the state pays for you to go to it. So you don't pay with yeah. money. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I I, I dug up because uh, I was researching like what sort of equivalents are to this policy on the UK side of the pond. And I found like fucking Toby Young. Yeah, yes. Spice yeah, exactly. Yeah. Spice Academy guy. for the divorced youth. Yeah. I love that he got fired from like being ahead of his school because he got too horny for um It's the, it's the for, only for way boobs. you get horny in Britain. Or the only way you get fired in Britain. You can get horny in many ways in Britain, some of which are illegal. Right. But um there's only one way you get fired, <laughs> and it's by being too horny. Yeah. Uh, but so so yeah, yeah, this is this is a familiar model, I think, to most most British people, but I think the important thing in America is that um is, is the difference is it is it's not part of the spiked magazine project, even though like the spiked magazine project and the Christian Dominionist project are the same project. Well, so the spiked yeah. magazine want you to leave school loving a different lord, the yeah. landlord. Yeah, but it is it genuinely <laughs> is part of the same. It's the, all funded by the same people. It's just that um, yep. in the, it, the, the, it takes on different flavors in different places. And so well, and I would say that something about the American side of things is just as like Toby Young being fired for being too horny for boobs as a school mm-hmm. guy uh, is a, such a British way to lose your job that it barely even registers to us as an event. In the same vein, I would say that uh, the a guy in America or, you know, like someone like the, the DeVos family being invested in the private education or like the textbooks or whatever the fuck kind of thing that they're doing, like, and the whole thing comes along to like, we want to make them buy our shitty textbooks. Mm-hmm. Like, that's such an American way to go about business that like, it barely even registers to us. So I, I think yeah. then I want to sort of just pause here, right? Where we have like, we, we've come to the, the core elements of the project, right? Which is set up a school, get the state to pay for it, but because it's not a state school, you can do religious teaching. And I kind of want to go back to like thinking about the nature of the Christian Dominionist movement, right? Where 
it was part of this I, initially sort of the this form of American Christianity was very connected to manifest destiny. And I see kind of the Christian dominionist movement, especially in its um, in the way that it exists now is highly minoritarian. It's fighting what is essentially a very successful rearguard action um, because it's deeply, deeply unpopular. Um, and they un- well, to- it's like the thing that you mentioned with the Supreme Court. Like they basically did tradcast to Kia when they were getting fucking yeah. confirmed mm. in order to just be like, no, no, we'd, we'd never rule against Roe v. Wade, yeah. and then they did. Yeah, but like you said, right. it's insanely unpopular. Yeah. It's very unpopular, and so I think what in 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 doing this to try to achieve their broad goals, which include a society in which men are subservient to women, black people are subservient to white people. Um, men are not subservient to sorry, women. Sorry, I'll take that again. I'll take that again. <laughs> you, you, no, I, no, leave no, no, it no, in. No, no, it was perfect. No, I did too much feminism, and now, now we're fucking <laughs> governed by motorcycle gangs swinging chains, and they're all lesbians. <laughs> yeah, R- Riley's such a feminist, he can't even say it. Sorry. I, think, I think maybe we should hear these guys out. You know? <laughs> Don't threaten me with a good time. But they, they, they envision this world where all of these traditional hierarchies are enforced, and a big part of that is, say, taking away women's reproductive rights. Right. And so, but in order to do that, you need to fight the fact that a lot of the culture being made by, uh, by the Christian dominionist movement kind of sucks. Uh, it's very difficult to get people to come over, uh, come over to you unless you have this hermetically sealed world in which they will have to live. And yeah. I, I, my understanding is like that school is a big part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, so to your point about like how unpopular this stuff actually is with the voting public. Um, In the state of Michigan in the year 2000, and by the way, Michigan as a state is really the prize that Betsy has been going for Mm. for a very, very long time because it's, you know, where she's from. And so she wants to bear her project out in that Mm. state. And so um, in the year 2000, uh, there was a ballot amendment called the Michigan Vouchers and Teacher Testing Amendment. And basically what it would have done is it would have allowed people just anybody who is sending their kid to any school anywhere to get what's called a tuition voucher. The idea of a tuition voucher is that you have a certain amount of money that is blocked out to you by the state. And rather than that money going into your local, you know, state school or public school, as we call them, but not public school in the way that I know you guys Mm -hmm. have public school. um, Instead of doing that, uh, you would then take that voucher value and you would apply it to tuition at any school that you wanted. And that could very easily be a private religious school. Now, this was a ballot proposal, again, in the year 2000 that would have amended the state constitution. It went up for votes um, from the from the Michigan voting populace, and it fucking went down in flames. It went down by a 70-30 margin. So like 70% of voters said, absolutely not, because these are not policies that anybody actually wants. There is a strong, dedicated minority that is very passionate about it, but the broader... Uh, voting populace even in america which is a fucked up country does mm. not want this. Well, that's what i mean is that this this appears to be the um the sort of the maneuver of an organ of yeah. a culture that uh, of a, a subculture that knows it can't really grow but ha- has basically yep. just fossilized its hands onto the levers of power and is essentially now barricading itself in the control room we also mm. got to realize, too, that in America's history and the way the Constitution was written, it was envisaged that only white men who owned property could vote. And mm. so right. basically, it's like the problem, their problem with democracy and with voting is not necessarily that this is unpopular. It's that the wrong people are voting. Mm. That 
fallen people are voting. And so they have they, they envision a world in which that is no longer a problem and they're becoming a little more open about that, but like it had to be dressed up in this language of this being mm. a sort of popular choice that was, you know, we don't want big government, we want school choice when actually what they what what they in truth want uh would only be able to come about if the people who would object to it, who would suffer it the most and would object to it, uh are denied any input whatsoever. Mm. And let's let's of course not forget the uh, the racism angle here, which is about yeah. you know a hundred percent of it, depending on how you look at it. Um, like the point at which private religious schools really exploded in the U.S. was about the time when public schools started to get desegregated, uh, huh. especially in the South. Uh, and then yeah, and, and that, you that that's another thing that mm. I wanted to point out specifically with regard to you know the way things have always been in west michigan just to just to the, back to the point about you know manifest destiny settler colonialism that whole project you know the people who originally settled who came over from europe and settled in west michigan were dutch immigrants <laughs> who were concerned that the reformed church of the netherlands had become too secular and so the entire project there additionally was it was the same thing it was all about what can we do to hold on to this power as long as we possibly can and that was again reified traditionally along male dominated lines um including like for a very long time, men were the only one who were allowed to vote in the church. And the church basically ran West Michigan for an extended period of time. And so, I mean, it's it's with this, I think it's important to, you know, see this as something that reaches sort of far back in, into history. It's a, and, and if you look on the long term, it's an ideology of losing. It's consistently lost all of its big battles, uh, such as, say, <laughs> desegregation, uh, an ostensibly uh, certain elements of ostensible secularism. Well, uh, well, well, as you say, with desegregation, it's been a very successful rearguard action. It's been a fighting retreat, whether that's been yeah. through busing, whether that's been through uh, exactly how you draw where a school district is, and then how the funding for those gets allocated. Mm -hmm. uh, and and now, of course, we get uh, school vouchers, which is just we can rob a school district in order to give that money directly mm -hmm. to you know. Uh, whatever psycho is like running a school now. Um, yeah, and, and, and Alice, I wanted to note to that point as well that like, just to use my personal experience as an example here, I actually did go to uh, the high school that was like Betsy DeVos's family school of choice. I went to high school with her son and her niece. Um, her niece is nice. Her son is a piece of shit, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, <laughs> the um, The whole thing about... That is, and I wrote an article about this actually that I'll that I'll send along so that you can link in the show notes if you want. There is a public school, a state school, literally around the corner from the Christian school, where like just over half of students graduate from that high school at all. Where and, and that is, as you might expect, uh, overwhelmingly uh, a, a population of students who are, uh, you know high level of free school lunch, poverty, it's predominantly black, whereas the school that I went to was predominantly white, predominantly upper middle class. There were some uh, non-white students in who were in on like assistance, uh, tuition assistance. But the idea is, preferably, all of that would be done through school vouchers and we'd be able to get rid of the public education system mm -hmm. entirely. And something I'd point out too is that like this, this is a thing that exists throughout the United States in different forms, but particularly in, in the South, it's primarily 
Baptist evangelical, and it's very, very much a segregation thing. Uh, the segregation aspect is huge, obviously, in the uh, in the Midwest as well. I think the Midwest is the most segregated in terms of housing and education in the United States. But even in places like New York City, for example, there's a uh, as kind of like a sop to uh, conservative Jewish voters, they pass a law that basically allows them to do school vouchers for yeshivas. And you right. have situations in which some of these yeshivas, like they don't meet any educational requirements for the United States for the for the state of New York. Like kids don't even speak English; they don't learn English. There will be kids who are, you know, their families have lived in in the United States eight, ten generations, but they go to yeshivas where they only speak Yiddish and Hebrew. And they don't speak English at all. They don't get any testing and that kind of thing. But because it's it's kind of a settled thing at this point, it's not really politically touchable. And so, like the point I would make is that this is absolutely a uh, a a thing that, despite the United States' sort of notional like, hey, we we have a separation of church and state, the idea that you can basically dump uh, public education funding into private religious schools is a trend that you're seeing. Uh, throughout different r- religious communities, but and the thing that I would say overwhelmingly is that they're always right wing. That to me, I, yeah. I feel like there's no way you can get a- around it. That, like whether it's it's like I said, ultra orthodox uh, Jewish schools, whether it's evangelical Baptist schools, whether it's like sort of non denominational Christian schools in the Midwest, oh, yeah. it's always right wing. I'm envisioning someone trying to start up a sort of like left wing indoctrinating private school in the United States, and I think mm. the Department of Education would repel through your fucking windows. Yeah, well, mm. well, yeah they'd send fucking Eric Prince in to bust yeah, down your well, door. When you talked like, about, yeah, we talked about Sky. Oh, go ahead, Hussein. Sorry, well, I was going to say it's, it's called Euphoria High School, right? It's one of the things that I've sort of seen in this space that. Um, but like certain conservative commentators are like freaking out about like so it's like oh you know the woke teachers and the woke you know all that stuff they want to create Euphoria High School where like mm. you know they have sex in the lunch hall. All the kids are in their twenties. That's right. And they, and the, and all the kids are in their 20s. <laughs> That's too old to fuck. I mean, I, I want to fuck younger kids. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I was just laughing. I was just laughing about the idea about Spike because you were talking about Toby Young and Spike and, and the fact that they're all offshoots of the Revolutionary Communist Party. And that's one thing where Britain and America is different is that like. Even if they were like, no, we were just doing right-wing Takia, it doesn't matter. The fact that they were part of something called the Revolutionary Communist Party, they could never get into power in America. Like that would just that would just mark them too oh, much. Oh yeah, I think you, we talk about like how these these various sort of are uh, very reactionary um, school. I mean, the, how this whole whole free school movement is sort of riven with reactionaries top to bottom, regardless of denomination. I think that's also largely because much of I, I see much of the sort of the modern right-wing movement as a combination of, uh, especially in the US, as engaging in sort of two things at the same time, as fortifying themselves against interaction with uh, communities outside of that, whether that's like through school choice, uh, heavily segregated neighborhoods or gated communities like the villages or whatever, and then basically setting up artillery to completely devastate the landscape outside of their communities. And I see sort of school choice as a perfect example of this because you're saying we're we're going to gather all of the of the of the saved. We're going to gather all the people that we think are worthwhile who just so happen to be on top of these sort of godly hierarchies. We are going to insulate them from the state, and we're going to you know do this by causing. I think that was a biblical <laughs> metaphor for what you're describing here. So some kind of boats. Uh, yeah, so Noah's yeah, boat. Yeah. Noah's uh, no. boat. Yeah. But but, but <laughs> that what? Uh, but then what they do right is in so doing. They at the same time completely devastate everything around them, whether that is like 
the yep. way like the effect of of these like big gated retirement communities on the areas around them in florida or, or how like um out, out doing school choice like this not only defunds public schools but it also dramatically hurts take all this uh crt panic when we had that like two months ago i don't know the groomer panic now all of this is to the same end is undermine public education undermine teachers unions some of the most successful uh labor unions in america um the large-scale unions in america and then to create a world where that doesn't where you can feel safe and then just fire round after round out of your walls yeah, and I, I think to that point as well, you know, one thing that I wanted to talk about was this idea that is core to Reformed Christian theology, mm -hmm. which is this idea of the elect. Uh, again, this is something that is Calvinist in nature, comes straight down from John Calvin himself. Uh, the idea being that if you don't really have any say in whether or not you're going to be one of the guys who God chooses, uh, it, it's all preordained ahead mm -hmm. of time. And uh, so if you are one of the elect, if you are one of the people who he has chosen or elected to be, you know, his guys, um, congratulations. And if you're not, sorry, you're mm. fucked. And so it creates this very binary way of seeing the world where you either are on, you said, like, like you said, on the inside, you are one of the ones who is protected by God. You are one of his chosen elect, or you can be one of the ones on the outside. And sorry, but you're mm. like, you're a bit fucked. There's not a whole lot that can be done for you beyond maybe like throwing you uh, some fucking like slop every once in a while, because mm. you are not one of the ones who God has chosen to have a good life. Mm. Sorry. And you certainly aren't going to have a good afterlife. You're going to hell. And I would also throw this into just for this context is that the thing to understand is that there's a huge overlap, you know, obviously because of charter schools and school choice and school vouchers, but charter schools are by and large a bipartisan product, a, correct, a yes. bipartisan project to destroy teachers unions and to shore up privatized education in places where teachers unions and public sector unions are illegal, which is many states in the South. Mm. In Connecticut, not a not a red state, not a, not a Republican state, probably the most segregated state in New England. Um, it, uh, or rather the most segregated school state in New England, a, a state with basically let the, they let them draw infinite numbers of school districts and wouldn't you know it, most of them are either all white or all black. Um, in Connecticut, yeah. you basically, there's no limit on the tax deductions that you can get for donations to charter schools. So like hedge mm -hmm. funds dump hundreds and hundreds of, of thousands, millions, sometimes tens of millions of dollars into these, even in individual donations, because they get endless tax write-offs for them. Mm -hmm. Because even in blue states, even in fully Democrat, like bath party fucking percentages on the votes they get every year, they are trying to undermine teachers unions. I mean, yeah, and, and and that is in effect really no different from a tuition voucher. It's just a, a tuition voucher through different mechanics. And just to clear like what the charter school idea is uh, for, for people who might not be aware of it, the idea is that rather than your local education authority uh, being the one that like establishes where schools are, draws borders, um, gets funding, etc. Uh, instead, the school receives an operating agreement from a charter, such as a university or something like that. The school is chartered for that operator. Many of these operators are for-profit entities, yeah. and as a result, they are basically able to skim public dollars off the top, provide education to students. Some of them are good, some of them are bad. They're generally uh, result. They, they generally are subject to much lower or maybe even no 
actual academic standards relative to their public competition. Huh. But again, the point here is not really to provide competition where the tide raises all boats. The point is to get rid of as many regulations as possible so that you have a completely unregulated school market. That's that's the project. That's the project, whether you're talking about education or something else. It's, it's, it's what reactionaries want most. So basically, charter schools are a tech startup. Yeah. Something that I'd also throw in too, because Josh, you live in New York and I used to live in New York. One of the things that can be really eye-opening when you encounter charter schools in America um, is, for example, in where I used to live in New York City, in Crown Heights, uh, there were lots of charter schools running and they would yep. often be running in the same building as public schools. And basically on one floor, you'd have the school, the kids they had picked right. to be in the charter school and the other and the, the bottom floor, the other floor was just sort of like the you're going to prison school. And the level yep. of deprivation, like there was a, this, this huge disparity between the two. Um, most of the public schools in our neighborhood were massively under-enrolled because all of the kids had basically been funneled off into charter schools. And let me tell you this from, from a perspective. I mean, and this is, this is, once again, totally bipartisan. Democratic fucking favorites, Teach for America is absolutely hand in glove with charter schools they love they fucking love authoritarian discipline in these schools and just oh just yeah. punishing the shit out of kids especially if they're black and hispanic like first graders not being allowed to use the bathroom all day like uh charter school fucking the you know rashy charter school Charter school, charter school icon Michelle Ree famously, like when she was trying to teach in public schools, like got in trouble for taping her second graders' mouth shut to the point when she took the tape off, it ripped the skin off their lips. Like Jesus. these people hate. She was trying black to make people. him into a they, right wing comedian. Fuck. <laughs> they hate. They hate black people. They hate black children. They absolutely believe in in absolute authoritarianism and discipline. And that ethos is throughout the entirety. Of, of of the charter school movement like whether or not it's it's the hammer comes down that hard is whether or not people have any empathy whatsoever for the kids but like that that worldview of like these kids are going to go to prison anyway so it doesn't matter how much we fuck it up to like we're trying to destroy teachers unions and make make you know good christian soldiers like they are all more or less compatible mm, yeah and that's the thing yeah. that's really horrifying well it's great because you can have these sort of these material conditions that do kind of create an elect, and then you can feel very good about yourself because yeah. you don't have to think about any of the sort of people that you're disadvantaging to uh, to make yourself elected. It's all and, and it, by faith and alone. It worked out like a slight kind of difference between the American and the British like free school system. So, in terms of like both their weird obsessions and their kind of like fixation with kids, but in different ways. So in America, so so the similarities that both in both Britain and America. They don't give a shit about the kids at all, and they have like active disdain for them. But in America, <laughs> yeah, table stakes, right? But in America, right. um, yes. the kids are sort of like essential to like the bigger evangelical project, right? So like, it's not necessarily that you want to kind of create like a certain type of educational system that's functional and like helps these kids in whatever way, even if it's like a way that you know ideologically, like most of us would disagree with. It's like they're sort of like one of the means to an end. Like, Whereas, there is like a project where the education is useful for. Yes. Okay. Whereas in Britain, they don't really believe like the free school guys. They don't really believe in that. They just kind of want mm. to create mm. a system to just like actively, I guess. Be paid to be disdainful towards the kids. You know what is? I feel like in the British system, they're just trying to make a point and win an argument. Right? Yeah. Whereas that they seem yeah, to actually yeah. care about the. I mean, it's a bad outcome. Yeah. But they, the outcome seems important to the well, American one. Well, because I remember when I remember when the whole like free schools thing was like the debate was kind of happening or whatever you want to call it. I don't really think it was a debate, but like when Toby Young was sort of like 
um, kind of ch championed by uh, David Cameron's government for like being someone who was like an innovative free thinker who uh, was just trying to like do the best for children and so on. And like the other teacher, what's her name, uh, Catherine Burblesing, was also like within that cohort too. And for them, it was very, and again, it was like very much like uh, the free school system was designed as a way of expressing disdain towards teachers unions um in terms of like public schools and just like the kind of real undermining of public schools uh from a government that was like actively kind of cutting funding from them on the basis that they weren't mm. efficient so i think you're right like yeah the like the whole free school system and the whole debate around that in the uk was to like prove a point um and to sort of like own people that like you have you had like these not even like minor grievances but just grievances on the basis that like they had some sort of status that you didn't have mm. there wasn't any kind of like evangelical project around that i would also say catherine burblesing would fit in mm. perfectly in america even if she's so weirdly well, think, british yeah. that like there's an elderly british <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe she can be like piers morgan maybe she can cross mm. the pond and become a smash but British people hate yeah. kids. They hate children. And in America, you have to sort of pretend yeah, we that love you're kids. doing this for the children's own good. Where in Britain, it's like, no, we want to hurt you because British we hate, hate children until they like them like, a bit too much. You know, that's kind of the... <laughs> um, yeah, 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 yeah. I think, like, just, just to sort of bring it all back around, right? Just to think about sort of... To, to connect this up and to not, not forget, right, as different as these movements are between Britain and the U.S. for school choice, and we've talked about sort of the various academies and stuff in the U.K. before, um, is that these are all, these movements are funded by literally the same small group of people. It is the identical people and they all have the same goals and their goals are not, and their goals are not about educational reform. Oh, and they're all peripherally into some weird dark shit like being at one remove <laughs> from Blackwater. But, uh, yep. but, uh, great, but ultimately it is I think about understanding it, it is a, a concerted effort at basically all levels uh, to capture a bunch of um, you know liberal institutions that are defended by people who are too gormless to, un to understand that they're under attack. It, sure. it also yeah. doesn't help that the Democrats hate teachers unions just as much as Republicans do. Yes. Josh, I, I wanted to see if there was some stuff you wanted to cover before we moved on, because we're getting close towards the end here, like about the sort of larger implications of this sort of mm -hmm. thing. And like w as the political landscape shifts towards total apocalypse in America, like what what you see as the sort of next steps. <sighs> yeah, I mean, there's a few things, right? Um, one thing is that uh, Part of the reason that I wanted to come specifically on this show to talk about it is that more often than not, the United States serves as a laboratory for policies that end up crossing the pond. Oh, good. Um, because our popul <laughs> because our populace, I mean, I don't know what it is about Americans um, that 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 makes us more. I don't know if it's like reflexive subservience or fear of upsetting power structures or what, but like. It's exactly right that the liberal and conservative project in the United States, they may not be aligned on the idea of, you know, tuition vouchers for religious schooling. But when it comes to charter schools, it's a pretty bipartisan project. You know, um, the, the a lot of the like Obama people are connected yes. to this through organizations like Teach for America and that sort of thing. And so. It's this idea, the idea, the fundamental idea that school choice and school top competition is a positive thing where the tide will raise all boats is pretty much uh, 
considered common knowledge at this point, even though I would argue that it is not the case. What the project has managed to successfully do is drive a wedge between the perception of something as a common good versus a private commodity. And I think that's what this whole project is fundamentally about, that you are treating something that ought to be considered by all of us to be something that we should have a stake in through our funds, through our efforts, through our time. Uh, rather than it being that way, it is something where I can choose. I can consume as a consumer the, 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 the product that I want. I want to quote here real quick from the Acton Institute. The Acton Institute is basically the uh, think tank of the DeVos family. And it says, and I quote, education, they, they call it the last utility to be deregulated. It worked so well with all the others. In this uh, policy. Th mm. <laughs> I know, right? Like the fucking national mm. rail. The, 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 when, you, when you deregulate it, it gets better. We know this. Um, a prescription for education reform is a competitive system of choice that would offer a variety of school options from which families can choose. Schools currently run under the new government monopoly have little accountability to the public since they are assured funding regardless of performance. And the thing that's so ironic about that is that the charter schools that the DeVos family and others back are in fact assured funding regardless of performance. It's what they Incredible. want, but they just want it for them. <laughs> They don't want it for everybody I mean, else. The story again and again and again, right? And we can see this even with what we talked about about stuff like Greensill or stuff like the um, like the like the, the sort of all the various PPE procurement issues, right? It's that the the overarching um sort of business goal at this point of any sort of 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 anyone looking to create any organization like this is just to hook yourself up to the big money printer, and yeah. that's it. Awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and I would say also that it, I just this is a week to reflect on the sort of political ratchet effect of the Democrats versus the Republicans, and I think that just as regards abortion rights in America, schools, charter schools, teachers unions. I mean, I genuinely there are not a ton of things where if you did a Venn diagram, there'd be a, a complete overlap for Mike Bloomberg and Barack Obama and the Clintons and Betsy DeVos, but it's it's hating teachers unions for sure. And maybe a couple um, of yeah. flight manifests. Yeah, they despise you know, no one them. can be completely sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very true. All right, so I think that's going to be about uh, about time for us today here on the uh, school choice extravaganza uh, here at uh, TF Presents Vatican Two. I, for one, feel much better. Yeah, I feel yeah. great. I feel um, amazing. Uh, Josh, I want to thank you so much for coming on and talking to us today. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I also want to thank you for uh, preparing uh, the notes on the second section. Uh, it has really uh, taken uh, a it is it has improved my day no end. Um, oh, good. <laughs> yeah. And uh, finally, to ask, where can people find you and your charming co-hosts in the various uh, wherever fine podcasts are found? Sweet. So yeah, um, I co-host a show called The Worst of All Possible Worlds. If you've been interested in the kind of analysis that we've been doing here today, mm. you'll find a lot more like it on our show. Uh, basically, what we do is case studies in the pop culture of a dying empire. We take a look at a piece of media, we unpack it, we interrogate it for the narratives within, we see whether those narrative trends uh, either reinforce or subvert broader reactionary trends in the political landscape. Um, if you go, we have a Patreon. It's uh, patreon.com slash worst of all. Or you can go to our website, which is worstpossible.world. Uh, we've got some cool uh, premium content behind the paywall. We actually reviewed this absolutely fucking batshit propaganda documentary called Whose Children Are They? 
Uh, and <laughs> I, it's about Boris Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and that was actually a movie that was made um, mm-hmm. fairly recently to educate, uh, sorry, agitate against uh, teachers unions and things of that nature, uh, including uh, some guest hits in there from uh, members of nonprofit organizations that Petsy DeVos has a financial stake in. How about that? Huh. Um, so, yeah, check us out. I would also say I've been on Worst of All Possible Worlds, I think, three times now, two times, three times. I can't remember. You've been on our show two times and we've gone on your show one time. Correct. Yeah. But we've talked about this deranged uh, evangelical radio play yes. uh, focused on the family that's been airing since the late 80s. And it is some of the most insane shit I've ever heard. So if you want to hear me completely ridden with COVID reacting <laughs> yeah. to like to the most one of the most deranged pieces of media I have ever encountered, which which two of the three co-hosts grew up listening to unironically. Uh, I strongly would recommend listening to that. If you want to learn about uh, when, when confronted with the idea of you finally have the chance to present what prejudice looks like, and instead of making a case for how Christians are the most persecuted of all, they didn't want to acknowledge racism ever. So they invented a fake town that's racist towards people from cities. Like genuinely some of the best <laughs> shit I've ever encountered and, in my and life. And a fake so slur I, as well to refer yes. to those people. Yes, exactly. What is the slur? Sitters. 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 Yes, word. Yeah, you can't say that. <laughs> whoa, whoa. We're, We're going to have to like that. cut yeah. One this. long beep. And, We've been canceled. Um, We're posting apology letters. Yeah. Our, all of our profile pictures on Twitter are just black now. People of City, please. <laughs> all um, right. All right. Well, uh, oh, Milo, do you have plugs? Oh, I was. Have ye plugs? Well, I am doing a show in Brighton on the 17th of May. Oh, wait, wait. So you can check that We're out. We're doing a show. That's all of right. us together. We're going to be at Bristol Transformed on the... Oh, yeah, th- shit. Yeah, we are th- going to try... We were going to be transforming Bristol. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Which uh, I believe... This is the 13th or the 14th? Are we Friday or the Saturday? The 13th, right? we're Friday. Um, mm. Oh, the good day, Friday yeah. the 13th. Yeah, yeah we are. Yeah. We're Friday the 13th. Everything's going to go gonna great. We're going to be in ski masks. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm going to be dressing up as Morbius. Wait, ski masks? Uh, you mean hockey masks? Hockey masks, sorry. Yeah, we're going to ski masks. What are we going to rob Yeah, we're doing Northern Ireland Friday the 13th. Yeah. Hey, here wants to get transformed. Get your knees out. <laughs> uh, Milo, do I'll your drop date. a pavement so slab we'll, on your we're head. Gonna, we're gonna put ticket link to uh, a ticket link to Bristol Transformed in the episode description. Milo, I'm very into Freddy Krueger IRA. Why, 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 hey, you know what? Why don't you do your plugs as IRA Freddy Krueger? If you want to come and see me in uh, Brighton, I was gonna say Bristol, but that's a different date. It's the 17th of May. And also, I think on the 1st or the 2nd of June, I'll be in Tallinn in Estonia if they let me across the border. <laughs> on the 1st or 2nd of June, I will be on holiday. Do not attempt to contact yeah, me. Yeah, in Tallinn. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'll be on quote-unquote holiday in Tallinn. There's a man I have to meet over there. Right. Tallinn's a beautiful place. It was a place where the, uh, where, where the, where the opera scene was filmed uh, in Tenet. Oh yeah, there yeah. you yeah. so go. See, go mm. see that. <laughs> go go. Hussein's plugging Tenet. <laughs> yeah, I'm moving forward in time through Estonia, <laughs> and uh, Riley's moving backwards in time. Uh, no, I'm not going to Tallinn. I'm going to Spain. <laughs> it's Do not, not Estonian. To me. It's backwards. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. Uh, Josh, thank you very much again for coming on. Uh, all of you, thank you for listening. Don't forget, we have a Patreon. Five bucks a month, second episode every week. You yeah. know the deal. And if you subscribe to our Patreon, you can get a listenership voucher, which you can use to go and listen to Worst of All Possible Worlds. <laughs> that's right. If you that's wish. right. It's transferable. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. So, Someone uh, is going to come up with the idea of like creating a voucher where like you can kind of listen to any podcast you want. Um, cut, his mic, cut his mic. Cut his mic.